Hi, I'm Nora, and I love church. That law and order is something that gets somebody elected when you say that. And that's a dog whistle in itself because it provides this sense of comfort. But ultimately, what's that connected to? When you study our history, you realize, wow, that's actually maybe not terminology we should be using when you think about the historic ramifications of it and the fact that like there's just so much racism tied to that. Yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt. Time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out. Yeah, let's come together, ready for change. Now is the time. We are one unit that is under God. Let's put an end to the racial divide. Uh, I gotta scream it out louder. Let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up. Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us. Yeah, yeah, defund the church. Let's go. And welcome to the episode of Defund the Church. I'm Frank Turner here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective. We want to welcome everybody to the show today. If you're a first-time subscriber, please uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms. We have a very interesting conversation to get into today. There's been a lot of unrest with the policing in this country, and I think that uh, in this climate, it's very important to know how to walk and know what we should be, not just believing, but how we should be acting um, in, in our different channels and forms. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor. What do you feel about the recent acts or uh, violence in, in policing? Um, and, and what, as Christians, how should we view it? And what can we do about what we're seeing? Mm. That's a great, great question, Frank. It's good to be with you again. Um, I would begin by just saying, I think it's important we educate ourselves first, right? Like a lot of people have views and beliefs with very little background knowledge or history of what we're working through. Um, a really accessible resource is the 13th, which is available on Netflix. Almost everyone has a Netflix account. I heard a stat today that Netflix accounts for 15% of internet traffic. That's crazy. Uh, so I'm guessing most of us have, you know, a Netflix account or our friends login information, one or the other. And, uh, and we can go, we can go and uh, maybe watch the 13th with an open mind and uh, just understand some of our history. Now that's more around incarceration, um, but it definitely covers a, a little bit of policing. Um, look, policing is a super hot topic. And uh, I want to begin by just simply acknowledging that like anyone uh, who has given their life to protecting and serving others, um, that is a noble cause. And uh, uh, the scriptures say love always protects. Um, the idea of serving one another is central to the gospel. So I even think the idea of serving and protecting can be connected to our faith tradition in so many ways. I think the concern that I have is that um, when violence becomes the means of serving and protecting, uh, we have uh, really the need to import a lot of accountability and transparency to that process. And what we're, what I think is being revealed now is that is two things. One, um, our racist roots will continue producing fruit, whether 
we want to acknowledge it or not, if we continue to teach history the way we've taught history um, with a complete disregard for reconciling our forefathers' racism. I mean, to just put it bluntly, um, my son didn't even know that George Washington had slaves and had done a whole report on him because he could probably be a high schooler and not know because it's just not something that the schools are going to teach um, because we just can't understand how these great heroes that we've made of our history were also flawed individuals who made some horrific judgments and ultimately had a moral compass that saw black people as lesser. If we don't acknowledge that, we continue to repeat that history. It's until we acknowledge it, own it, say it, teach it, that we own it. So that's, that's part of what we're seeing here in general in our divide over, um, over racism and everything, but also policing. And then the other thing we're seeing, I think, is a system that has lacked accountability and transparency for a long time and that has preyed on poor people um, and, and, and um, has preyed on people of color um, for a long time because of policies that, by the way, Democrats and Republicans have supported. So I just want to be clear. This is uh, equal opportunity. Um, you know, I would be critical of both sides on this. And like a lot of people right now are actually bringing up Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's record on certain things because it's not squeaky clean on matters of policing and, and, and even the effects of some of the legislation that they've advocated for having um, adverse effects on um, the poor and, uh, and, and through policing and, so, um, and, and, and people of color through policing. So I just say all that to say, let's all acknowledge that there's been some grave failures on whatever side we call our own. Um, Republicans have certainly failed to, uh, and I could go by name, but I'm not going to. I'm just, I just brought up Biden and Kamala Harris just because that's something that's in the news now as we're in an election cycle that, 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 that law and order is something that gets somebody elected when you say that. And that's a dog whistle in itself because it provides this sense of comfort. But ultimately, what's that connected to? When you study our history, you realize, wow, that's actually maybe not terminology we should be using when you think about the historic ramifications of it and the fact that like there's just so much racism tied to that. So uh, let's just start here. Uh, how about this, Frank? Uh, I could go just about any, I could do left, right, turn. I'd go anywhere with the question you gave me, but I want to share an experience that I've had um, with my local police department. Okay. Um, and uh, for some, this is going to be, you know, anecdotal, but there's all kinds of, you know, uh, evidence for what I've dealt with being the norm. Okay. So, uh, I personally don't have a whole lot of bad experiences with the police. I've been followed in stores. If you don't know, I'm, I'm white. I, but I have tattoos and earrings and that at times has got me, uh, having a full sleeve of a tattoo and having earrings, um, has at times got me, uh, singled out in certain ways by, by authorities um, as the person who's going to steal something or do something. And then when they, you know, if they only knew I was a pastor, um, not that that I'm sure pastors steal too, maybe um, uh, probably quite often, but, but I guess I'm saying like in this particular case uh, it's been interesting to even feel that feeling of someone following me in a store. I couldn't imagine if I had that feeling as 
that being just simply attached to my skin color, not to uh, things that I've modified personally on my body. So I, before I get into my personal experience, though, Frank, I want to know your personal experience with policing because you, uh, as a black man in America, uh, I would just like to know your experience before I get into some of what I've been learning and what um, I've been working through in my local community. So why don't you share a little bit about your experience with policing? So there's a, there's a few stories that, that come to mind. Um, you know, one thing is, I know I'm, I'm from Alabama originally. And so there has been a, a couple of instances, one in particular where I was pulled over um, really for no reason other than they said, hey, we were looking for somebody and you matched the description of that person. So uh, the officer didn't do anything rude. He did have me waiting for a while, but, um, you know, I didn't, nothing, nothing happened. Um, another incident that wasn't necessarily with police, but with security. I was in a mall one time with a friend and we were in a CD store back when CD stores were a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it shows you my age a little bit. And we walked out and the, and the, the thing and the alarm went off and I was like, oh my God, did, I didn't know I didn't take anything. You know, I had bought a CD or something and he hadn't bought anything. I was like, oh my God, did, you know, my friend take something. And we were two, two black men or two black teenagers at the time. And somehow my friend had stepped on one of those tags that the CD tags that are on the back seats that kind of thick oh, white. Okay. It was on the bottom of his foot. So he goes out of the store and it's like, oh, you know, you and, and so the way we were approached was very, at first it was like, well, what'd you take? And they were, they, you know, the, I, I felt disrespected because I was like, we didn't take anything, you know? And they were like, okay, yeah, let's look in your bag. And they looked in the bag and I was fine. And and my friend didn't have anything. And they looked on the his foot and they were like, okay. And then it was kind of like, let it go. But just, 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 it, it felt like the fact that it wasn't believed that, man, this was a total, like it was a total mistake. And, and, and like I yeah. said, those kind of things, um, it, it's, it's not that, you know, it was a horrible, necessarily horrible experience. And, and another, another thing that happened was one time um, I was driving home and there was an accident. It was a, it was a, it was a two-way stop. There really should be a four-way stop, which is a different conversation, different thing, but it's a two-way stop. And there was um, an accident and there was some, there was, there was, a, um, I was going across the, the side that had the stop sign. So the other ways, they just go straight through, but everything was kind of blocked off because there was an accident. Cops were there. They had some flares and the way the flare where it looked like, oh, hey, nobody can come one way, but I was coming the other way. So I didn't see a reason why I couldn't come down that way. So I came down very slowly, um, had my daughter in the car and police officer was a woman, a white woman. She was like, she went off and said, you know, you should not have come down the street. And I said, well, the flares were, you know, over there, you know, I was trying to explain, I wasn't trying to, I mean, she was like, she just, she was just not having it. And so, and so the reason why I bring that up is I don't necessarily think that white woman was racist. I don't want to even come off playing the victim. But what I'm saying is she also was escalating a situation where, yes, I could have made a mistake or maybe I, it was misinterpreted, but it wasn't malicious. And it was like, again, I have my daughter in the back, back seat of the car. So obviously I'm seeing an accident. I'm not trying to do anything that's illegal or get anybody hurt. Like, why are you so upset? Like, I understand maybe there's a situation going on, but I'm just driving through. I'm not in the accident. I didn't cause the accident. I live on the street. This is the only way I can really get to the street because of the way things are kind of set up. So, um, it, it's, so, 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 so I guess what I will say is what I felt about policing is there is a lack of empathy in, in policing sometimes. And I feel like there's, and not in any case, not in any case that I necessarily faced, but when some of these things that you've seen with, um, maybe you bring up George Floyd or, um, 
the, the issue with Breonna Taylor, because uh, the thing about Breonna Taylor is they had a no-knock warrant because of who she was associated with previously, her, her boyfriend. That's kind of how that happened. I don't know if how much of the story you actually know. Uh, and, and so they really shouldn't have even had a no-knock warrant. The judge should not really have a no-knock warrant for that, for her house, because he wasn't really even living there. So regardless of that, I feel like there's an extermination that the policy the police have versus a parenting. And I know that seems interesting, right? Because if you call the pest control place and you have roaches, or you have spiders or whatever, you come by and expect them to spray every last one of them. You don't expect any mercy. You're like, get all of them. You, you're like, get all of them. And I feel like sometimes when the police are called to these scenes or they're in, in, in involving black people, they have like, hey, an extermination policy. Hey, if it doesn't go right, put them down. And I feel like if we don't parent that way, and I know that you said protect and serve, I feel like police have to be more willing, I wouldn't say necessarily to give their lives, but they have to be more willing to be like, it's not about my life, it's about I'm here as a servant. And if my life is lost, that would be terrible, but I'm willing to give it in the, in the line of service to serve protect versus I'm trying to make sure that these, these people that I've you know, almost caricaturized and they might be violent, they might do this, they might do that. There's no reason for Tamir Rice to have been shot. There's no reason for him to In have been two, shot the way two he was. seconds. Two There's, seconds. Yeah. A scared kid who has, you know, multiple cops pull up. He didn't have a real gun. He was not armed. And so I think that what what, what my, my thoughts are, the the mindset of when you look at the roots, you mentioned bad fruit being born, the, the roots of, of policing coming from slave patrolling. Mm. Slave patrols terrorize black people. And they terrorize black people now. You can't grow. What, what did Jesus say? You can't grow. Um, can, 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 a, can a fig bear thorns? Can a thorn, bear, you know, bear figs? Like you, you have to understand that, you know, policing. While it is necessary, right? I and and this is obviously defund the church, not defund the police, and things like that. Some people might conflate those type of things. But what we're saying is, there's got to be an understanding of what was planted, what's grown out of it, and how we can correct it. And if we don't acknowledge it then we'll always kind of have these conversations. Well, you know, the police have a hard job. Yes, they do. We understand that. But the fact that policing is about dealing with difficult people, it's, it's, I, I, think, I think that's the hardest thing sometimes we don't have the conversation is there might be people who don't comply. There might be people who have committed a violation. And many times what we're seeing certainly in, in the news recently is these people don't deserve to say to be dot to die or be shot. They may be deserve to be arrested. They may deserve to have their day in court. But I think what we're, the problem we're, I'm having, just in my opinion, is the police are playing judge, jury, and executioner, and everybody's kind of okay with it because I've never heard so many people, especially Christians, saying, well, hey, I mean, they're always trying to find a way, and they're always saying, let the facts come out. So the facts came out about George Floyd, like, are you horrified? The facts came out about Philando Castile, like a man who, the, the, thing, the thing that is, like, some people, I think, I think the thing that bothers me is when you have the Jacob Blake situation, and some people are saying he was resisting or he wasn't compliant and, and things like that. I mean, context has to be factor in. His kids were in the car, right? And, and regardless of that, right, you can't co-opt the whole narrative of police violence, even if even in this one incident. I feel like a lot of times what I feel and I hear from, from white Christians is they want to find an off-ramp to, to, to stop the justice from having they want to say well you know yeah george floyd but i mean now jacob blake so now i'm off it's like even if it was just george floyd that would be enough to continue down the path to get all reform done even if it was just brianna taylor or flando castile and, and instead of parsing each incident and saying well yeah you know oh this guy's ever this guy didn't 
there's two there, there's far there's a huge distrust that we need to repair right as 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 even if you can't i would say as a, if, to a white person even if you can't understand you need to start with the empathizing of these images regardless of how it ends up is becoming something that people are fearful of and even even if it's not real and can't happen not likely to happen perception becomes reality and that becomes a trauma that is passed down generationally where you have to have this conversation with your kids about the police that hey watch out put your hands up do this do that and it's just like those are things that I feel like in this conversation as Christians, as a church, we have to move towards an understanding that there is a segment of society that's fearful of the police, regardless of what they were set up to do. They're fearful and they have a right to be fearful. And what are we going to do uh, about making things equitable for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have mm-hmm. been uh, at, at, the, at these um, you know, wrong wrongdoings? Yeah, I think you... Oh, Frank, that's, uh, I, I, I look at videos like the George Floyd video and like the Jacob Blake video, and I can only assume the amount of trauma that that brings to someone like you as a father, knowing that the children were in the car watching what happened to Jacob Blake, for example, their father, and then how you would very differently experience being pulled over by the police than I would. Like everyone hates the blue and red siren behind you that makes, and for me, I fear it because I'm like, I don't want to spend a couple hundred bucks on a ticket. Oh man. Like, but there are black and brown brothers and sisters of ours in this human race who see those blue and red lights behind them and their initial thought is i might die that's that's scary like and you can say well that's unfounded that's all because of the media whatever um here's the deal it's not it's just not statistically speaking it's just not hyped up media stuff um black people have been targeted by the police for a long time and that's not just the police is doing that is the policies in which uh, have, have authorized the police to do that, encouraged the police to do that. Um, so to talk about police is to say there are good police officers. I know them. There are great individuals who are police officers. And here's the deal. Individual, it's something, Ibram Kendi has something like, uh, where he says like individual, uh, individuals, can make great individuals like they, they can be a great person, but ultimately it's only policy that makes a group or system good, like, or equitable. Like that's a paraphrase of his state of his quote, which is far more concise and better than that. But ultimately it's just saying you can have good people that are part of a bad system. And it's getting to the point to where the same way police might try to argue that a black person fits the description. So I had to stop him. It's like, well, first of all, you're, you're impeding that person's rights by stopping them and assuming that. But it's like, at what point do police fit the description when we watch multiple, multiple videos of like, uh, yeah, like it's kind of getting to the point to where like when I get stopped by a police officer, you fit the description of someone who doesn't really want to protect and serve me because I've just seen so much imagery of someone who doesn't want to protect and serve. Um, now, I want to be clear that that doesn't reflect the individuals, but there is a system here that I think we need to work at. And I think we need to consider. And I think as Christians, if we really do see 
a desire that love protects, we should be protecting our poor black and brown brothers and sisters who ultimately um, are experiencing this hardship. Um, so here's, here's my experience. We, we had a rally in our town, um, small little town, less than 4,000 people, two mile radius, has a police um, office of, uh, I think five employees, a chief of police and four maybe, or a chief of police and three. Um, so prior to the rally that we were doing, I had a meeting with the mayor, the chief of police and the sergeant where we talked about the eight can't wait, which is um, a proponent of campaign zero. You can find out more if you just Google campaign zero. Uh, they have a lot of uh, police reform ideas and the eight can't wait were some of the ideas that uh, data wise would reduce um, police brutality by like and police violence by 70 some percent if you were to incorporate these into um, your police force. And so we talked about those. They were very apprehensive to um, incorporating any of those. They said they had five of the, or yeah, something like five of the eight already in place. And um, uh, so we had our, uh, our, our uh, rally, Black Lives Matter rally, which uh, the chief would not attend, the sergeant would not attend, and the mayor said he wasn't going to attend, and then he did attend, but like stayed in the back quietly, like didn't have, we, we invited them all to speak and share even. We we're like, we'll give you the mic. Um, and they didn't want to talk to the community. And ultimately I like, I pleaded with them, please, like this is an opportunity to build trust in a time where there's uh, no trust and, um, or at least trust is lacking. Let's put it that way. It's not that there's no trust, that trust is lacking. And so um, I really think right now, we're seeing a failure of leadership as well within our policing, especially when you look at like Kenosha um, and I used to live in Wisconsin um, and you just see this like lack of leadership and ownership of what's happening um, in, in their particular area and what happened. To, like, it's just, it's hard to watch. It's hard to see as a leader myself to see like you guys are missing opportunities left and right to, to just step up and lead with integrity right now. And so anyway, following that, um, I submitted a request for um, all police policies related to the eight can't wait. And I re requested for um, policies um, or not policies, but complaints against police officers, criminal and non-criminal in the last five years. Uh, what I received back from my right to know request was um, one on the question of um, all complaints, criminal and non-criminal. What I received back was um, we have no records of any uh, complaints. Uh, as if they're saying we don't keep those records. Um, and keep, keep in mind, like if you get written up at McDonald's, that goes in a file cabinet, like they're keeping that record of, of someone that you didn't make the right egg McMuffin for or something like, you know what I mean? It's just like, how are we not keeping these records? Well, the truth is the police unions have determined that like certain records can't be kept um, in the contracts. And so uh, I'm actually in the process now of getting the police union contract to review. But ultimately, what was shocking to me, and this is, I know it's a little bit of a run-on answer here or a conversation, but I just want to say what's been shocking to me is that I also received back um, the policing policy um, for the eight can't wait, um, uh, that it, all policies related to the eight can't wait. 34% um, of what I received back was redacted. They would not let me see it. 
because it had to do with use of force and they won't release that. So I just want to be clear. Um, our U.S. military has released their use of force continuum. So our U.S. military, <laughs> but our small little town of two mile radius um, will not release that. Um, and likely your town won't either. Um, now Harrisburg has, which is right down the road, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, ha they've released their use of force continuum. Some towns have felt and, and cities have felt the pressure to do that and have stepped up and done that. And when I challenged the solicitor at a borough council meeting uh, on why they won't release that information, and to just put it into context, you as a citizen don't have a right to know the policy of how an officer can use force against you. Think about that for a second. This person is deputized to serve and protect you. They have the ability to use a taser, to use a gun, to use uh, all kinds of different options. And you don't have access to the policies in which govern their use of force potentially against you or other citizens. You don't even get to see it. Even though your tax dollars are literally paying for that weapon, paying their salary to be there during that shift where they might very well use force against you, but you don't get access to it. What the solicitor said back was, it's a matter of public safety and that's why we can't let you see that. And the public safety cited is that the officer is at risk if you know. And it's like, wow, wow. Okay. And the truth of it is, is there's probably something in the police union contract that says they, they won't disclose the use of force continuum, other things like that. The point, the point I'm trying to make here in this long-winded answer is just to say, if it's this hard in a small little town with very little crime, um, where by the way, f just five and a half years ago, we had an officer shoot and kill an unarmed person. While they were tasing them, they were on the ground on their stomach. You can literally watch it. Just Google Hummelstown police shooting. Um, they're on their ground, face on the, on, uh, on the ground, stomach down. The officer's at least 15 feet away, I would guess. Um, the, the video camera filmed the whole thing. The, um, the police camera that, that, that she was wearing. It was a female police officer. Um, so... Uh, this, this isn't something that, you know, hasn't happened in our community or that our use of force policy hasn't actually had an impact on our community. It has. Um, what I guess I'm trying to say is I'm trying to say, I actually think if we just had common sense conversations about some of the policies that exist, for example, chokeholds and strangleholds, the use of these things being banned. So, initially our borough said we're going to implement all eight now of the eight like after our rally they said we're going to initiate all eight of the eight can't wait but what we've learned is that they won't let us see what they've initiated in those eight can't wait and in conversations what's kind of come out is that like well they said all chokeholds and strangleholds are banned unless the officer deems it's necessary well here's the deal um that's literally lacks all accountability now and like, first of all, you're lacking transparency, you're redacting most of it. But now what you're doing is you're incorporating this clause within what we're requesting that if there was ever a point where an officer did something like what happened to George Floyd or what happened to Eric Gardner, they could just argue they deemed it necessary. And so things like that where um, 
we probably need to be a little more tactical. And look, I'm not saying the church should advocate for particular policies or things like that, but I think as churchgoers, we should recognize that this particular problem, let me just put it this way. Without transparency and without accountability, you will never have trust. That's just, that's just baked into the reality of trust. If, if you're never seeing the real person uh, that, that this person is, and when they fail, there's absolutely no, no um, accountability or, or measures that, that, that incentivize them to change, that's not a person you want to be in a relationship with, let alone a person you want to give the authority to potentially use force against you. Um, the truth of, of the church, though, just to bring this back to defund the church, because I know we haven't talked about it, is that white people don't feel this as much as black people, so we don't have to acknowledge it. And uh, the white evangelical church has largely ignored this because we don't feel the consequences to the extent that the black community feels the consequences. But I will say um, a lack of transparency and accountability, I mean, it affects everybody. I think it's, it's bad policy and ultimately um, it's scary even to see just how much transparency and, uh, is needed and how resistant even small communities are to providing it. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I think what we can do is begin to at least say, I want to get to know a police officer, hear their stories, understand their experiences and perspective. And I also want to get to know the policies in my particular region, my particular area, and who's working to maybe just create more transparency and accountability. Look, if any police officer is really about change happening in this particular area, they should be pro-transparency and pro-accountability. Any leader that tells you we, we shouldn't be transparent or we shouldn't be held accountable to someone else. Um, so for example, in the policing policy I got, the chief of police makes the decision on everything. So if there's a complaint brought, let, let's, say, let's say I'm the chief of police and Frank, you're an officer and someone complains that you patted them down inappropriately in a sexual manner, a woman, okay? And they, they make that complaint against you, okay? Let's say that complaint's made against you. It comes to my desk and ultimately I investigate it. And if I deem that that didn't happen, that eh, didn't happen. We don't even have to keep a record of it. This is in our policy, like, or at least the record expires after like six months. Uh, it's wild that it's police policing police. And I think uh, the idea that that, um, that that breeds any amount of account accountability, um, this is what we saw. I mean, just to give it like a connection point back to church, this is what we saw in the Catholic church with the scandals that they had uh, and, and, and are ultimately feeling, have continued to feel the effects of where priests were covering for other priests and bishops were covering like the, for, for, for atrocious acts. And you're just like, how did that happen? Well, a system of a lack of transparency and accountability got the opportunity to get, get, you know, get its wheels rolling down the track. And ultimately someone's got to stand in front of that track and say, no, 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 no. You can't go any further with this lack of transparency and accountability and call into question like, the ultimate consequences of what this is leading to. And so, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. We could talk a ton about it, but ultimately I, I do think policing is something the church should be talking about. And the church should also be, I, I do think to a certain extent, honoring those who are serving and protecting 
in a way that is equitable and, and is loving and, and caring in their community. They're, again, there's something noble about people who desire to serve and protect. The question is, is the system actually open to transparency and accountability? If not, it's hard for me to honor those people who are committing to that system. Man, um, that's a lot there. Again, this is, um, you're listening to Defund the Church. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, all the major podcast platforms. I mean, we, like I said, we, we can't be here all, all day, but I just, I just want to say, man, thank you for adding that perspective because I think what's, what's missing is um, the transparency part, right? Like people just think things happen in a yeah. vacuum and they don't. And so, you know, you say, oh, this guy's getting shy, this is happening. Um, having to even know what questions to ask is important. I think that one of the things that you mentioned is that the dominant culture doesn't care about this happening, but this is a problem for everybody because police brutality is, while, while, while certainly it is in some degree politicized and highlighted for black people, it happens to um, a lot of people, white people as well. Yeah. It's, not necess- it's, not, it's, not, it's not as documented maybe, but... The, the, the thing that you mentioned was the fact that they have such control over the use of force and other things that they don't release, that's a problem for everybody because that's how you yes. end up in a police state. And I'm not here saying anything crazy. We're in a police state. But what I'm saying is the fact that they have less transparency than the military is a lot of people don't even necessarily know that. They don't even understand that. They don't even know where to go and ask to see the force. I, let me ask you this question. So I, I live in a county. Yeah. I'm a citizen. How can, I mean, and I'm not saying, I mean, and this is funny because even as a black man, I'm like walking to the police station, like, do I want to do that? How can I walk? <laughs> to, how, like, so can I go to my local county police station and say, hey, can I review, what, what can I, what information can I ask for um, legitimately from my local police officer to, to figure out what is going on? This is a great question. And to be honest, Frank, if you would have asked me this in April, I would have said, I have no idea. I've learned so much about local politics. And I just want to say, um, before even answering that question, that I used to hear people say, vote for president, but remember, down the ballot matters more. And I would be like, I don't understand that, whatever. I, I truly believe that now. I see it. Um, I have seen local leaders who just don't have integrity don't have leadership skills um, or mean the best but just ultimately don't have the tools to lead through the challenges that exist right now Um, having conversations with those local leaders before november trying to call them email them get in touch with them and see what they stand how they stand on different things it will actually potentially have more effect on your community than the president Like it's weird that that's how politics works, but they determine a lot for your local area. Um, And so what I would say is depending upon the way your particular area is, um, you know, uh, whether you're in a city, a borough, a, a suburb, a county, like all that different stuff. Usually the way it works is that your, um, particular chief of police, um, is appointed by the mayor. So the mayor is actually the one who appoints the chief of police. Now, if you have a sheriff, they probably had to run for that office if it's like a county sheriff. So that's a little bit different. I would reach out to the mayor 
uh, and that's what I did in my particular case, um, and have a conversation with the mayor or the chief of police or the sheriff in your area. And I think what I would do is I would just frame it through a desire to create a relationship, but also to learn. Um, and that's what I did in, in our case. Um, and, uh, and a desire to partner. I invited, when I first made contact with them, I invited them all to speak at a rally we were holding. Uh, of course, they all declined, but you know, some type of olive branch to extend to just show that you're not here to cancel them. You're not here to end them. Like you're trying to create, help, help with a partner with them to create a safer community. You're probably going to have very different ideas about how to do that. Um, but ultimately that's, that's the desire. So I would reach out and just say, Hey, um, is any of our policing policies available online? Uh, some communities have begun to make these available online. And uh, if they say no, say, okay, well, um, can I have access to any of our policing policies uh, around use of force? Or can I have access to the police union contract? What I'm learning in my experience now being months into this and hours and hours and hours of reading policies is that quite honestly, the police union contract might be more important than the policing policy. And here's why, because it seems like it's a cart horse situation it seems like for many times the police union contract is actually driving how the policy is being written. So when you go back to try to change the way the policy is being written or to, to encourage different policy, sometimes they're tied by the contracts of the police unions to, to have the policy a certain way or to redact the policy to Leon. There's just, and by the way, there's a really great um, podcast that was just released by campaign zero uh, and, and campaign zero, I believe.com or.org um, is a great uh, resource that you can, you can check out to, to see a little more, to hear a little more about this, but there's a great podcast and um, uh, called the untold story policing that dives into it's, it's only, I think four episodes long and it was just a start to finish four episodes. That's it. Um, they're not producing anymore, but um, where they just talk about the policies the unions stories of people who have who have kind of challenged this in ways that you can go about being an advocate for change in your community so that's a real good place to start too i'm not an expert i'm learning through this whole and i'm kind of trial by fire learning um, but ultimately i do think we should have a heart that says if this is something that we're passionate about we 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 got to be involved in a local level where we probably have the most influence with our votes and with our, you know, time and presence at city council meetings and borough council meetings. That's the other thing I would say also showing up to those meetings. I've learned that since May I've gone to every single one our boroughs had, and I'm the only person who's gone to every single one that they've had in that time. Very few people show up to those meetings. And when you show up consistently and you just keep saying what they don't want to hear, um, eventually I think, you know, they have to listen. Well, that's really good. Thank man. Thank you for that. We're going to um, kind of pause there. We, I know we could go on with a lot, but I think the, the last thing I just want to add is, you know, we ed educate yourselves and also let's, 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 again, we talk about the lens of Jesus. Look, let's look at for, for if you mm. don't have any concern, you're like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not going to ask these questions. You need to be praying for, um, the police themselves and, and, and these situations from a standpoint of there are people that are really hurting, like whether or not you're feeling it, it is, it is a problem because if, if it's, if, if one of your brothers is hurting, then 
it, then we all should be. Uh, we have a God who says he would leave the 99 to go find the one. So I don't think that, I think, I think that one of the things we do sometimes is we have a tendency to try to write the one off as well. He deserved it or he or she did something or we need to stop that. Um, and I think that would help a lot as well, obviously says, as well as being educated. So again, just thank you, Pastor, for just so much um, information. And again, like I said, go back and listen to this. I think there's a lot of information in there that can really help you. So um, again, we want to thank everybody for listening. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a review. We want to get better. Continue to visit defundthechurch.com to make sure um, you understand the vision, uh, support it, rebuild the kingdom. That's what we're all about here. So again, we want to thank everybody. We love you. We'll see you very soon on an episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom.